I just want to, I want to see, I want to make an estimate with you. And it's how many times in this episode do you think we're going to make fucking ain't no rule in a rule book says a dog can't play a dog can't play football baseball basketball wrestling Uh, it's at least four times just in my fanfic oh (laughs) see i was gonna say like probably five times but no apparently we're gonna cap that real quick uh I'm gonna say I'm gonna say thirteen. Lucky thirteen is how many times we're gonna make the same dumb joke about this terrible movie. Well, now now we have to like actually keep score. So welcome to Fun Fiction, the show where two idiots ruin that thing you like, and I'm we going did, We bananas. didn't say that it's fun fiction. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Shit. <sighs> it's fun fiction. <laughs> so welcome to Fun Fiction, the show where two idiots ruin that thing you like, and I'm going bananas over this episode, Scotty Moore. And there ain't no rule that says a dog can't do a podcast. There's I'm, one. I'm Megan Danger. Um, I've watched two. I've watched now two dog-based athlete movies. Uh, one of which, of course, is the topic of this week's episode, Air Bud. But I also watched Russell Madness. And I'm happy I did because it let me realize how violently formulaic every single one of these movies is which is a dog gets the shit beat out of him runs away (laughs) finds the saddest kid on the planet and then suddenly they become the greatest athletes the world has ever seen i mean i don't know what you're like expecting when you're like oh it's so formulaic (laughs) like what kind of complex plotting are you like hoping to find here in this hour and a half movie about a fucking dog what plays sports <laughs> this one was the first one's weird because uh also something i was not aware of when i wrote my fan fiction uh i didn't realize Airbud didn't talk because uh hey russell madness star of russell madness could talk so i was like okay Airbud could talk too right no, no. it's just i think Airbud started talking like maybe three or four movies in well that wasn't air the true air but no that dog was probably dead by then oh no do you not okay we're gonna have to bring it down real quick um <laughs> literally like within the same span as the first air bud coming out air bud died (gasps) (laughs) that is the other thing also that i did not realize is that i thought air bud made dog and then dog become famous Dog was already famous, then they made Air Bud Sir. It's like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. They were like, we have something, let's make a whole thing surrounding it. 
um, because apparently he had already been good at basket the basketed ball. He was touted as the Michael Jordan of dogs, <laughs> which is a stupid <laughs> sentence. Uh, and then was on like Letterman, America's Funniest Home Videos, and then finally someone said, "Hey, what about a movie?" where a dog plays a basketball. And they said, Garrett, any other ideas behind that? And he said, no. <laughs> and it was the 90s, so they said, let's fucking go. <laughs> this is, okay, we'll get into the sadness, but right now I, I want to get into the fact that this is the most confused movie ever because there are some real, like, Rudy moments where it's just really <laughs> trying to get you to invest it, it, in this it kinda boy. It kind of is like Rudy, but if Rudy was a dog... <laughs> It's like, no, because, like, that's the thing. The boy is also, like, a little LeBron James. The film just never makes reference. The boy wins the final, like, shot of the game. Air Bud's not involved, so the yeah, boy Air, is also Air Bud good. gave him, like, the power. Because didn't Rudy not do shit, like, shit all? It's been a very long time since a substitute teacher, uh... Put Rudy on the TV. <laughs> it was radio was in, like, for us. We didn't school. have Rudy. Um, was Rudy yeah. in Sister Act Two? <laughs> uh, Holes was ours. Holes was the club banger. Oh, um, and, and on that subject, though, just real quick. So, for reference, uh, I have never prior to this, I had never seen all of Aired Bud in like one chunk like i'd seen bits and pieces because where it's like that thing of like oh it's it's raining it like summer camp let's wheel out the fucking vcr tower what do we got uh we yeah. got toy story we got air bud <laughs> deal with air bud i guess i also <laughs> had never seen the aired bud and i wasn't i was honestly planning on like okay megan's got air bud i will bring some good russell badness commentary to the air bud jokes and then i got done writing my fic and said oh i got a while till we record how long is air bud it was just enough time for me to watch all of air bud <laughs> assuming i watched it at two times speed and i did exactly <laughs> that which i'm sure just really improved the experience the fact that he and the only way I can describe this is because of the family guy bit, but the fact that he ooh piece of candied that dog with a bunch of pudding cups <laughs> fucked me up so bad. No, what fucked me up was the the very mean abusive clown man is from the Green Mile, and that's like my point of reference for him. Holy shit, I didn't realize that. He's yeah, yeah, he, he's got two real significant. I mean, well, he's he's a fairly prolific actor, um, or he was. I mean, you want me to bring it down real sad? Also, I think he died of AIDS. Um, <laughs> although he was HIV positive, he'd been in good health for many years. It was complications of an epileptic seizure. How ah. many people in Air Bud died? <laughs> <laughs> Is Air Bud cursed? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, his big thing is I remember from the Green Mile, and then he was one of the celebrated Mr. Noodles from Sesame Street. Okay. Um, I just went to the page of Josh, who of course is the is the boy, the bud boy, and I'm reading through the stuff he's in, and then I scrolled over Frozen, and I went, no, surely not. And it's not. It's instead an American survival film about three college kids who become stuck in a fucking chairlift. 
And then the guy, the the former basketball guy who becomes the coach is, uh, what's his face from, like, I think A Night at the Museum. He's in a bunch of stuff, too. Dude, that dude rips ass. He's the only good part of this film. <laughs> it's true. Well, he, he also gets to say, like, the part, well, him and the ref get the best line. You look at that rule book, you're not going to see anything that says a dog can't play basketball. <laughs> Well, he says it like he's making a legitimate argument. The referee yes. says it like he's a, a, a fucking New York plumber fixing stuff. <laughs> he's right. He says it right here. There ain't no rule says a dog can't play basketball. The, the levels of acting, just because that scene makes me think of it specifically, like the levels of acting are all over the place because you have some people who are acting and then you have some people who are 90s acting. Which is oh, a very yeah, yeah. different specific thing, and I think of that scene specifically because the the guy, the old uh, the old guy who's now the basketball coach, is like acting. Um, the two opposing coaches who are like, "What are you doing? Why is there a dog on the basketball court?" They're nineties acting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> the other thing this film is confused about, like I was saying earlier, is what it wants to be because there are occasional Rudy moments, but then there are like nineties kid movie romp moments, but they never fully commit. Like, the first one happens when Air Bud knocks over a ladder that's got a bunch of paint on the top, and it cuts away before it reveals that there is no paint in there, and the only paint that gets used is, like, cloudy goop, and it's not good to see covering a dog. It was very uncomfortable. Yeah, there's just a lot of there's a lot more tonal whiplash than I expected in Airbud. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen a worse dog owner in media than that small child. Because he just feeds that dog so much fucking pudding and then just sneaks it around everywhere. But but then the dog, it clearly works. Like, something in that pudding is making that dog play real good basketball and also probably shit wildly. Halfway through the film is how long it took for them to reveal <laughs> this dog can play basketball. Well, first they had to establish that... They're but both buddy, very sad. They, yeah, Buddy's very sad. His name was Old Blue before, and he was just abused by a sad birthday clown. And was then the, his the name, boy... What? What Was his name Blue in the beginning? Because I thought the joke was when he went to go get Air Bud back, something that also happens in Russell Madness. It's the exact <laughs> same movie. Uh, but when he went to go get him back, he's like, you have my dog. His name is. And then he looks around and sees blue paint and just says, blue is his name. I thought that was the joke. I didn't know he had a name for him. I think, yeah, I, now I'm doubting my memory. But the point is, uh, it's he's, not he's, good. He, yes, it's not good. He is his abused dog. And then the boy is sad because his father was a pilot who was killed in action the now i know fuck? that's sad and, and it's gonna bring the room down <laughs> but i'll make you feel better it has no bearing on the rest of the film whatsoever well it's a reason why they had to move and so he's in a new town and he's just very shy and easily bullied because he has that horrible trait of being sad that his dad is dead <laughs> That fucking attitude issue this kid has got, <laughs> being sad that his dad is dead. And but then there's also like 
there's a basketball bully, but then it turns out the coach is also abusive and is abusing the players. And that's why we have to replace him with with the nice old man from Night at the Museum. That scene where you just hear like, you ain't going to not catch a ball ever again. Whap! And then it just cuts and there is a co- a, an adult ass man beating the shit out of a child with basketballs. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is AirPod? <laughs> you can't do that today. <laughs> this film had one, I will give it one good moment. And it's the fact that obviously the mom is in a new town and is like, I don't want to deal with a fucking dog right now. My husband is dead. He died in action. I don't want to deal with this shitty old dog. And then somehow the child makes the deal Keep them around till Christmas, which I've never. That's not a family thing, is it? That you go to Christmas and it's like, oh, by the way, this is Damien. He's our Christmas rescue. We're going to let him go right after. Yeah. Like what timing? Like I, I want you to keep him. And if we end up getting rid of him, do it at the time that it'll make me the most sad. And then when Christmas <laughs> comes, he wakes up and the dog's just not there. Um <laughs> But then he runs downstairs and the dog is like covered in Christmas shit. And I was like, okay, that's very sweet, Air Bud. You've earned my trust. And then over the span of the next hour, Air Bud would do nothing but break that trust over and over again. <laughs> oh, God. Um, oh, okay. I, like, I'm not sure. It's like I'm trying to think of like what angle we're attacking this from because I just want to jump around because I immediately want to jump to the fucking end because it's so good. Oh, you mean where they uh, this dog must be cut in twain and one piece <laughs> be given to each adult. Um, before that, I do want to uh, give a list of the sins of the child. He fed the dog so much fucking SpaghettiOs. <laughs> there was a massive popcorn bowl filled with SpaghettiOs. Um, at one point, he's trying to dry off the dog and does something that every dog in the world loves, which is to take the loudest leaf blower I have ever seen, shove it in the dog's face, and turn it on high. <laughs> God. <laughs> Just gotta casually traumatize my dog with a fucking leaf blower. No animals were harmed physically in the making of this film. Psychologically, yeah, who knows? Uh, uh, oh, by the way, you know how they made multiple... It's such a bizarre move that after the reason the film is made, Airbud passes away, they said, keep it going, and I don't want to say they did this tactically, but the second film, which is called Air Bud Golden Receiver, does feature four separate dog actors playing Buddy, <laughs> which to me does sound like they were just hedging their bets at that point. Kind of, well, either hedging their bets or there just wasn't another dog as talented as the dog that played Buddy. They needed four dogs to do the work of the previous one. Well, also, these dogs, think about, though, are- Think about that. <laughs> Scotty, these dogs Let's are golden receivers, and though. Think about that. That. <laughs> um. So, okay, going back to basketball, child. I'm trying my best to keep this somewhat in the the semblance of how the plot is. <laughs> oh, we uh, left that behind. <laughs> another weird thing I never realized: he don't play on the team. 
until no. like the very end. I thought it was like, okay, now this is our thing. Like the Harlem Globetrotters are goofsters. Our thing as a team is that we have a dog. Oh, I thought you were talking about the kid. Because the kid doesn't play on the team at first either. <laughs> That's so fucking... The kid walks in to basketball like practice, which he wasn't invited to. And then the coach is like, yeah, you're the manager now. Then fucking Scatman Carruthers from The Shining sneaks a fucking invite in to invite him to the basketball team. He shows up and the coach is like, you have no reason to be here, you piece of shit. But then he's baby LeBron James, so we gotta keep him on the team. If you have not seen Air Bud, though, it is important to note this child is white. This child is so fucking white. He this may child be is the incredibly white. white. This child is the fourth Tim the Toolman Taylor child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's perfect. So, okay, bef- before so, yeah, the Air, Air Bud is is the mascot for a while because yes. he's very cute and he is dog, but they don't realize that like. That dog, that dog can be shooting buckets, though. They do, like, segments with him, essentially, where he is a little goofster to come out and then shoot his hoop. And no one thinks, like, put this dog on the on the team, because that's not how people think of that dog's good at shooting basketball. Let's put it into a legitimate competition with tactics. <laughs> where is... Hang on. I, there was a line, and I was on Wikipedia after, because I was looking for something, and now... Uh, after returning to school, Josh finds the invitation and further realizes Buddy's talent when he discovers that he can actually shoot a hoop. You can shoot the hoop. That's <laughs> how and, it is right here uh, on wikipedia.com. And the scene is such a banger, too, because the dog shoots and when it goes through the hoop... All music cuts. The only noise you will hear is the swish and the kid going, what the fuck just happened? Uh, But this film does feature both my favorite trope and my least favorite trope. My favorite trope, of course, being when it's a team like sport based thing. There's always one kid who's really shitty and an asshole to the main kid who gets somehow kicked off the team and within the two-week period of the film has managed yes. to transfer schools and become lead basketballman on the opposing team. It is very good. Uh, that's one of my favorites, but that happens right after... Honestly, you were talking about the King Solomon scene being the worst for you. For me, the worst is when, uh, obviously, Clown Man comes back to collect his dog, because it is his dog legally, uh, and, but then... He's got, he's got the papers. He has the papers, and, uh, so then the boy rescues the dog, and instead of being like, we need to take this dog somewhere where he can be protected, where the dog can be hidden away... (laughs) I don't know if they live on an island or if he boated Buddy to an island, but either way, he abandoned the dog in the wilderness (laughs) while screaming, I don't want you anymore. (laughs) Yeets a basketball that Buddy chases. When he turns around, the child is on the boat leaving. (laughs) It, I mean, it, not that it isn't fucking insane, but but that's at least the thing you see, I guess, in movies. Where it's like, go on, get out of 
out of here. It'll be better, except it's like it's a dog. <laughs> yeah, but I always assumed it was referencing, like, I always assumed that, like, cultural thing was referencing one scene from, like, one specific movie. It is the equivalent of if at one point Air Bud looked up and was like, I am your father. It's like, no, that's from a different movie, Air Bud. You can't just take this and throw it in. <laughs> Uh, so he throws Airbud onto an island. Airbud nearly <laughs> drowns trying to get back to the boat before going back to the island. Then the basketball begin basketball begins. They get their shit pushed in, and then just Airbud's there. And they got him wearing little doggy shoes. He do have little doggy shoes in a jersey, but how did that dog make it off that fucking <laughs> island? Because his fur is completely dry. Basketball magic. Ain't no rule saying a dog can't windsurf on the lake. Ain't no rule saying a dog can't levitate down to the basketball game. Uh-huh, uh, but they, they then win the game. The bully is then like, I'm cool now. That was a good shot. And now my least favorite trope comes into play. Which is the trope that when you think the movie is over and you're emotionally satisfied <laughs> and everything's resolved, the film just says, fuck you, here's a big-ass courtroom scene for no reason. <laughs> this scene is amazing. Um, it, it's because the <laughs> fact that they say, I'm gonna take you to court. Smash cut to them in court. <laughs> Look, the other kid ended up star of the opposing basketball team in like a week. They got a court date the next day. <laughs> and it's so fucking good because the judge is like, oh, what is this? Are we doing divorce proceedings? It's like, the judge nah. <laughs> fucking <laughs> hates his life so much. I, I, I love it. And um, it's like, nah, this is a custody battle. And he's trying to bang his gavel. It's like, what's that dog doing in here? And it's like, oh, the, do the dog's the, the... Fuck, this is going to be my day now, huh? And then... <laughs> And the most bizarre move, the abusive clown shows up to court in clown gear. Because he thinks this is going to help. He case. thinks that's going to help. I mean, to be fair, without the clown gear, he, he does he does just kind of look like a, a squirrely, evil little man. Yeah. He, but with, he, with the clown gear, he looks like a squirrely, evil little pedophile. <laughs> he does. Uh, so then this scene is nothing. It's just a whole lot of a dog barking and a judge being confused as to what the concept of a dog is. <laughs> and, then, and then the old ba the basketball coach, not, not the abusive one, the old man that we like from Night at the Museum. Not the like, one who eats basketballs at children. <laughs> Is like, hey, look, this dog is an adult in dog years. Why not just let him make his I, own? I wasn't listening. Is that what he said? If you give me a second, I can try to find the exact quote. There's no fucking way that this man was just like, this dog's technically 21 years old, and I'm perfectly legally able to feed him whiskey. Let me leave. <laughs> If you want to vamp for five seconds while I try to find this fucking quote. Um, okay, so he comes up and is just like, hey, don't be a dick about this judge, essentially. At which point the judge is like, you know what? 
are you Arthur Cheney from Basketball? <laughs> and, and he's like, yes, I am. And that's enough for the judge to go, morals mean nothing. Go to the outside and let the dog run at one of you. And they do that. He only, he only does it because it is suggested by a basketball man. A fa- uh, and that's the weird thing is the fact that sometimes he's like a famous basketball player who has trading cards available that children have. And then in some scenes, they're just like, coach, what are you talking about? What do you know about basketball? Well, because he's also, before he takes over as coach, isn't he just, like, what is he's he doing at that school? Yeah, he's like a janitor. Like, what kind oh, of former shit. fucking basketball player? This was another great scene in the beginning, and it's when Main Boy, whose name I refuse to learn, is uh, the manager for the team. The team all get naked and throw clothes at him, which was very uncomfortable because they are children. And then he's just left to do the washing up alone? In the room with the creepy janitor who's, like, <laughs> shadowed in the distance? Oh, uh, it's a lot. I did find the quote. Okay, okay. So, our uh, coach Arthur Cheney walks into courtroom unexpectedly. Why not let the dog choose, your honor? They say dog is man's best friend. If that's the case, shouldn't the dog be able to choose who he wants to be friends with? And then the judge is like, who the fuck are you? And he says who he is. And he's like, Arthur Cheney, New York Knicks, 56. I was at the Celtic game where you did the turnaround jumper at the buzzer. I spilled beer all over my wife. My wife. Okay. And uh, they're just like, oh, yeah, all right. And he says, well, I've been thinking, uh, this dog's what, three, four years old? That makes him an adult in our years. I say let Buddy decide. I am having a seizure. What the fuck? And the judge is just like, that's fucking insane. Let's do it. You're the basketball man. I do love how he doesn't recognize. He's just like, what's your name? He's like, oh, you're the person who's very important to me in my life. And I remember you winning these big games. You made me spill beer on my wife. Uh, so they go outside, and then Buddy's left to debate between going to a horrifying pedophile clown <laughs> or Jonathan Taylor Thomas 2.0, which is a choice that no man should be forced to make, dog or man. And then the clown takes out a newspaper, the thing he beat the shit out of Air Bud with, which is also another, like... He thinks that's gonna work. Yeah, that's true. That is a whole other thing. That's a whole other sad thing, is the fact that the mom through the whole movie is like, our newspapers aren't arriving anymore. Why aren't our newspapers here? It's because the dog is afraid of getting beaten. So he's hiding the newspapers so that he doesn't get beaten by them because this movie is fucking wild but yeah so the clown man pulls out the fucking newspaper as though that's like an incentive like yeah buddy come back to me so i can beat the shit out of you with more newspapers (laughs) (laughs) he does not take him up on this uh well no here's the thing and this is what i kind of love about it's not well done but it is somewhat well done where buddy because the whole thing is you're not allowed to move it is very, um, if you, if you move close to Buddy, you will be turned into a pillar of salt. Uh, 
And, and so you're not allowed to move, so it's whoever Buddy runs to first. And so he's running towards the clown man. So everyone's going, no, Buddy, no. <laughs> and then Buddy just proceeds to stone cold drop kick this fucking clown and eat the shit out of that newspaper <laughs> before yeeting himself back around and being like, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, it was you all along. You abandoned me on an island. <laughs> That guy just beat me with newspapers. I had to swim a lake for this. You fed me so much SpaghettiOs that I couldn't stop shitting for days. You're the one I want. My name is Aaron I shit blood for eight weeks and I'm great at basketball. So... So on to the fanfiction, because I think we both kind of went hard in the proverbial paint with these, from what you've told me. I don't know if hard in the paint is the, the best term. I did say it would infuriate you. Um, okay. I, I do want to give you the opportunity, before we go into fanfiction, do you want to uh, touch on, in at least whatever way someone can touch on, uh, Russell Madness? Honestly, kind of forget, like, it was buck wild, without a doubt. Until I saw actual Air Bud, and I was like, oh, they are merely scratching the surface of how fucked up these types of movies are. Uh, the only thing I will say about it, and uh, I did watch it live on Discord, the weird Discord, and the one thing I kept coming back to is how much I want to decapitate that fucking monkey that's played by Will Sasso. <laughs> because there were scenes he wasn't involved in, and characters would still be like, I'm mad as an ape. Oh, they're going bananas in there. And I'm like, Will's not even on screen. You don't have to keep making monkey jokes. It was an inappropriately large amount of monkey jokes, dude. So, wait, because I like you're like, Will wasn't even, so you're just the, the Will Sasso, the monkey. <laughs> uh, his name is Hunk. Hunk the monk. The monkey. I hate it. He fucking sucks. Uh, Russell is voiced by, you know, I show the Goldbergs. No, it's a show. It's basically like an '80s version of a Happy Days or that '70s. So it's one of those nostalgia shows. There's just a little boy in it who's not that cool, and he voices Russell, and he's not a good voice actor. The best person in the film uh, was John Morrison, the professional wrestler. He was out <laughs> acting the professional actors. Now, I did peek in on that thread every now and again just to kind of see what you were descending into. Um, am I correct in that the, I mean, I guess it would have to make sense with the, the, the given premise of the film and all. Um, but like, I feel like it's different when a dog is playing basketball against humans. Was a human man wrestling a small dog? There was never any traditional grappling. There was never any good mat-based technic <laughs> technical uh, acumen. Le okay. Oh, wait. Hold on. Here was a very important plot point. Russell pisses everywhere. <laughs> All the time. In fact, the premise of the film initially was no one wants this dog because he pisses in their face when they try to adopt him. But luckily, because it was a Chekhov's piss, <laughs> during his first wrestling match, he pisses in the man's face and it allows him to get the victory. Ah, uh, I, I, I'm sorry. I just, when you said that, I got derailed a little bit. Tell a little story here. 
Okay. Just, well, just because when you mentioned that the dog face pissing was keeping people from adopting it. Um, yeah. When RJ was a child, that I, was... <laughs> he would I would love if it was just a, like, <laughs> a one-for-one comparison. RJ was never adopted because he pissed in people's faces. No, um... When his family would go to the shelter, because he'd, he'd had, he's had a few dogs uh, yeah, when he yeah. was a kid, um, the first one got real excited and peed on him a little, and he's just like, that's the one I want, because he's just <laughs> so hyped. And this became a thing. That he only Where, gets pissed dogs? Yeah. Um, as, as, as his child, that the dog who would just get a little too hyper and excited to do a piss would be like, that's the one. <laughs> I want the pit. Bring me the piss one. Uh, but outside of that, it was pretty unremarkable. Um, the way John Morrison defeats Russell initially is that he pulls out a dog whistle and the crowd, it's real heel heat. The crowd's like, boo, no, that's an illegal weapon. And He's because, got a box cutter. Yeah, and because it's an illegal weapon, they stage a rematch. Because that's how wrestling works. You get your heat back. You build up the story. People want to come back, see Russell the babyface victorious. But then it's, he just still... Dog. He still has the dog whistle in the rematch, though. I'm like, the point of the rematch was because the dog whistle interfered in the outcome of the first one. Wait, so is it kayfabe or is it not kayfabe? Um, no, no, it is one of those really fun wrestling movies where they have to try to figure out how kayfabe works. Uh, in this one, the way they do it is that ski, I think it's the same way they did it in the famed David Arquette film, Ready to Rumble, which is, it's only fake to the bad guys who take money and are willing to take falls, but it's real when I win. Uh, so... On, on to fanfics, and I'm so sorry. And This one, it's... I don't know how to describe it, because it's not a story. It is, in fact, just an episode of a television show. And it's a bit of an interview with a famed person. What? I, I think I might just need to get into it. Okay, <laughs> I was going to say, do we want to save yours for last, or do we want yours to... Mine's pretty lengthy. Do you wanna you wanna crank it out first? Yeah, you've mine's not, that, mine is mine is quicker. You've not cranked first in a while. <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta crank first. And Ain't then I'll nothing crank in the too. rule book that says a dog can't crank first. <laughs> uh, so I was inspired by uh, I can't remember if it was a tweet or if it was a post on Tumblr where someone was saying how in in the in the olden days if there was a show called surfing dracula that you could count on every single episode you'd see dracula out there surfing <laughs> but yeah. that if you tried to do if you tried to make surfing dracula today adapt it uh reboot it for modern audience they say it would be like one of those um netflix like hour-long prestige shows and you wouldn't see him surfing until like the last five minutes of the last episode because the whole thing would be a backstory into like how he got his surfboard like the power rangers movie that i absolutely despised because they edged me with with power rangers suits for the whole film so i thought okay Airbud. 
the limited prestige Netflix <laughs> show. So yeah, yeah, it's it's Airbud, the limited prestige Netflix series where it's six hour long episodes. Okay. And um, Airbud does not speak. At no point does Airbud fucking talk and people understand him. But Airbud does narrate. He has an inner monologue. Okay. He is voiced by Chris Pratt. <laughs> no, damn it! <laughs> Fuck you. It's clearly what the people want. And so episode one opens. Uh, actually, first, there's a title card that says chapter one. This yeah, is the yeah. beginning of every episode, chapter one, chapter two, etc. And it opens with um, like clapping and stamping feet and just a, a full basketball arena and everyone going. And, he's, and then you hear the Chris Pratt voiceover. It's like, yep. That's me. That's me? <laughs> Fuck you. But it didn't always used to be. My name wasn't always Buddy. Once upon a time, it was it's, blue. <laughs> oh, it's Dunk now. It's Air so- Dunk? Don't mind if I do. <laughs> Wait, shit, never mind. I'm writing a completely new fan fiction where it's exactly the same Air Bud shot for shot, but instead of a golden retriever, it's Al Pacino. <laughs> it's just a kid feeding him spaghetti. Oh, Al Pacino runs around on all fours. He does not get to play basketball like a normal man. He must play it like the dog. I'm a bumpin' with my snoot. <laughs> and the clown man beats Al Pacino with newspapers. I, I don't know why, but I want Al Pacino to be in every scene where an abuse is committed against a human. Al Pacino's just getting fucking basketballs hurled at him. <laughs> The kid leaves Al Pacino on an island. <laughs> is, is that vanilla pudding? <laughs> I know he comes back. I know it was you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in the court, and the guy's like, I think Al Pacino should decide if he comes with. <laughs> no, no, even better before that, where he keeps barking and interu- every time the gavel hits, instead, gavel. Hurrah! What is that sound? <laughs> that's, uh, that's Pacino, your honor. <laughs> Ain't nothing in the rules that says Al Pacino can't play basketball. Your honor, Al Pacino's at least an adult in Pacino years. You gotta let him choose. I don't even want to do my... <laughs> It can't stand up to that. I'm gonna try, but that's so much better than what I had. <laughs> it's okay. Give give us give us the rundown. <laughs> he said, "My name my name used to be Blue, and then it fades out. And now we we start off with uh, Airbud as a puppy, as just a okay. little puppy, and like he's um he lives on a he lives on a farm. He's a he's- farm dog." He's played by Timothy Chalamet. Yes. <laughs> On all fours as a dog. God damn it. And we get like, you know, he's got his little brothers and sisters and he's got his mom. Then he like runs around in the grass and stuff. And there is um, there is a little boy on that farm 
and there is like a a rusty worn out basketball hoop or whatever and like the mom calls the kid and it's like time for dinner and he runs away and he abandons the ball and the little puppy walks up and he just nudges the basketball with his little paw and it plays like very portentous music like this is gonna be a thing and like chris pratt says something like i didn't know it at the time but this was the beginning of the rest of my life (laughs) i'm visualizing this film you're creating and it does look exactly like the new ghostbusters film in my head (laughs) yep yep that that is a hundred percent intentional perfect okay good (laughs) and smash cut to a dark rainy day um, and he wakes up and he's by himself and he's like, where's whatever the fuck stupid puppy name? Where's the other puppy name that are his brothers and sisters? The farm's on hard times. They got to sell the puppies. And uh, someone is like kind of looming uh, over him and it, it zooms in and you see a guy in full clown makeup, but it's oh. fucking terrifying it's like like it or something because we're seeing it from Buddy's perspective, and he just goes, "You and I are gonna have a whole lot of laughs," and that's the end of episode one. Okay. <laughs> episode two, <laughs> chapter two is a rough one. It is ninety percent animal abuse. <laughs> I assume, like every Netflix show like this, you are describing one of. Eight plots that every single episode deals with. Well, yeah, well, because the one is pretty much just focused. So, but this one, it, it alternates as Buddy gets older because he goes from puppy ah. to a dog of of just ongoing unfortunate animal abuse at the hands of the scary clown man who I actually didn't cast. If you want to, I don't know if you want to help out with that one. Um. Oh, fuck. What's his name? Uh, boy who played Freddy Krueger, but the new one. Oh, God. Jackie Earl Haley. Oh. Hey. We're, very, <laughs> we're very mean to him on the show, but yes. And so, yeah, it's uh, scenes of that intercut with we meet Josh. Um, Josh is I wanted to see I wanted to be like Josh is played by a Stranger Things child, but they're all like 19 years old now. It doesn't work anymore. <laughs> I think you could probably grab. I bet. Oh, I hope puberty didn't do some fucked up shit to Gaten Matarazzo, but he already had a baby face, so maybe. Maybe, but I don't. I don't know if we can see that kid playing basketball. Let's be real. <laughs> Actually, no. Let's also. You know, you got to think about. It. No, remember, this is Netflix prestige now. It's it's not can't be a white kid. It's got to be a minority oh. child. My favorite Will Smith <laughs> film, Minority Child. Oh, so, shit, I don't. Do you have? I, a, I don't. I don't know anything about. I don't know child. We've we've been over this so many times. Where none I of mean us a know small child black act. child. Someone bring it to me. <laughs> Someone bring me your most adorable tiny black child. We're gonna make this happen. <laughs> Extra points if it's a girl, and Airbud's gonna play for a wo- a girl's basketball team now. <laughs> Woke Air Bud. <laughs> we, get, we get all the commentators on Twitter being like, when did Air Bud get so woke? <laughs> what does gender even matter? It's a dog. Let it be a boy. It doesn't matter. But so we see uh, intercut with that plot is 
this kid who I have now decided is is a, t- a tiny black girl because we're going for the demographics. This is prestige Netflix Airbud. I, I didn't decide this before, but I've decided it now. And um, essentially, you get to see play out that backstory of her her dad dying in military combat, which is, I think, even more kind of messed up to, in the way we do wars today. <laughs> Damn it, she's too old. But you know, back in the day, I mean, they they already did this to the Karate Kid, so why not Willow Smith in Air Bud? But oh yeah, Willow's she's way too, too old. old now. No, yeah. But then Will could be the dad who dies in the airplane, and then we can connect <laughs> it to like Independence Day. <laughs> did you know? I'm sorry. I'm gonna. I keep doing this. Did you know he's making a nature show for Disney called Welcome to Earth? That's all I need. That's all I need in life. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, so episode two is is cutting between those two things. We're getting twin backstories, but they they haven't met yet. No one touches a fucking basketball the entire episode. We go on to episode three. Now, this is the one where uh, it kind of seems like it starts to like go with the plot of the movie, where um, the you know we're we're at like present day Bud. And uh, they're doing some kind of clown party, but because it's a Netflix prestige film, it's a weird, uncomfortable, like, strip club thing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Buddy... It's a Buddy's fucking just... pizza party at, like, a pizza inn, <laughs> but they're still like... Boom, 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 exactly, boom. yeah. And uh, but like, he has a scene where he's just like, no... I've had enough and the dog like rears up and like I don't know beats the shit out of Jackie Earl Haley the clown man and yeah. he escapes and runs off into the night and uh after that and then you know intercut with this we've seen our our heroine having her adolescent problems and being sad and being like mom you just don't understand dad would have <laughs> and then they cry and then at the very end of episode three She's outside. She is. There is a basketball hoop above, like her garage or whatever, and she just kind of like kicks a ball. And then the basketball does have like her and her dad's name scrawled on it, and we get a very long flashback about how they used to play basketball together. And oh, like yeah, yeah. he gave her the ball, and she's and he's like, "We're gonna play. Hang on to this till I get back." And we'll play our rematch game, but then you know he dies in war. <laughs> so the uh, the episode three ends with like Buddy coming out of the shadows and his nose just touching the ball. <laughs> God. <laughs> episode four. I I need a promise from you right now, and it's that this doesn't end with Airbud actually being the dad reincarnated. No, that would be that's a different dog movie. That's actually a different animal all over. That's the Pikachu movie. No, that's the a dog. Isn't that a dog's purpose? Oh, is that? I didn't know it was a dad. I thought a dog's purpose was just a series of different dogs dying and turning into new dogs. <laughs> oh, maybe that's it. I might be getting confused. I'm sorry. I confused a dog's purpose with Jack Frost. <laughs> so episode four, finally sees some basketball happening where we see the girl go to school she's playing basketball the coach uh the guy who's not actually like the coach but becomes the coach uh is lebron james in like old man makeup 
Oh, so like fucking Uncle Drew. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And but but he uh, because this is more interesting and because the coach the coach doesn't want to you know the asshole abusive coach doesn't want to take uh, the girl on or whatever I I never bother give this fucking kid a name LeBron old man LeBron James is like I'll coach you myself and then when they see the dog he's like I'm gonna coach the dog too because <laughs> like I don't know the dog shoots a, according to Wikipedia the dog shoots a hoop. Um, <laughs> episode five the the dog is gonna go play an actual basketball game i really didn't work out the specifics of how jackie earl haley the clown man comes back and fucking kidnaps him and the girl before the basketball game can happen yeah and they have to escape together while lebron james and the girl's mom track her down and actually now that i think about it i've decided LeBron isn't is his old man makeup maybe isn't that old because maybe something starts happening between the mom and LeBron James. There we go. Yeah. Aunt May Tony Stark thing going on. Yes. Uh, the, I will I, I will give you one critique, which is if this was truly a Netflix special and this was the episode right before the finale, it should actually just be about like old old man LeBron James doing some shit in a city three cities over, and it has nothing to do with the actual plot. And then at the end, he just grabs a <laughs> basketball or some shit. Well, here's the thing: while they're looking, we get flashbacks to LeBron <laughs> James' story to find yes. out like how he went from being like a big basketball star to working as a janitor as a school because we gotta fill a full fucking hour here yeah. um and of course it ends on a cliffhanger where we're not sure if like the clown's gonna murder this kid and dog <laughs> episode six the final chapter uh they escape it's fine maybe they murder maybe Airbud commits murder Airbud might murder him uh but they do get free and in, like, the last half hour, we do get to see Airbud play a fucking basketball game. <laughs> I honestly was afraid you were going to pull the they win the basketball game while they're kidnapped and they come back and the team's just like, we just needed to believe in ourselves all along. We needed to be a team. We didn't need just one Airbud. <laughs> no, that's not how prestige Netflix television works. <laughs> you got to give that dog a basketball for <laughs> one percent of this series exactly yeah you did it you did it you found the best way to ruin it (laughs) (laughs) that's what i do best baby uh so with mine like i said there are a few things this one my my fan fiction exists in a universe where uh one airbud talked and also, Airbud uh, did not suffer that terrible fate that horrid year of 1997. I can't believe you didn't check to see if Airbud talked or not before you wrote it. He did it, and Russell Matt Russell could do it. And I'm like, well, if Airbud can't, uh, but but it's okay. Actually, as I started watching it this afternoon, the whole time I was just going, oh no. <laughs> Maybe the pudding makes him talk? I don't know. (laughs) Tonight unfolds another chapter in the story that we've been telling on our stage for the past eight years. 
We are pleased to be here on stage at the Alice Stevens Center of the Arts at the University of Alabama at Birmingham, and I could think of no guest greater today to come and share his wisdom with you. Bark. Woof. Rough. These are selections of phrases and idioms that the world believed dogs could use to emote, to communicate. However, my guest this evening was one day bold enough to ask the question, what if we could say more? You may know him from his starring role as Air Bud in the film Air Bud, Air Bud 2, Golden Receiver, Air Bud 3, World Pup, and of course, Air Bud 4, 20. You may also know him from his dramatic roles as the villainous Colonel Wishbone on the hit series Nine Lives, and of course, his most recent role as Spider Dog in Into the Spider-Verse 2. Ladies and gentlemen of the Alice Stevens Center and those watching from home, the Actor Studio is proud to welcome to the stage, Air Bud. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, buddy, how are you doing today? Well, I could use a glass of scotch and a scratch on my snoot, but otherwise I'm doing fine, James. Yes! <laughs> yes! Ever the character. Yes. Now, buddy, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to take a step back in time for a few to your childhood. You were born in 1988, however... You weren't known as Buddy back then. Well, no, I was, well, to be frank, I had no idea who I was. I was born in a stray, in a world astray, and to be honest with you, James, I'm not sure if I was ever going to find out the answer to that question. What? I never found someone I could be buddies with. Buddies? <laughs> Wait, what question? Well, who am I? I suppose that's what we're all here to figure out, eh? I mean, that is the very nature of acting. He's putting your body through every type of trial there is. One actor in his life will have lived through wars, divorce hearings. When I appeared on Broadway's Julius Kaiser, the dog, I was stabbed 46 times every night and twice on Sundays. And let me tell you something, audience. If you want to learn how you truly are, get stabbed 46 times on a daily basis. Yes, thank you, buddy. Now, you, however, weren't astray for long, I've been told. No, when I was just a young and rowdy boy, nearly one year old, I was eating an old pot of vanilla pudding out of a dumpster near the theater, when suddenly a door opened near me and waves of people began to rush my way. I knew I was set to be trampled right there and then, until I found myself being picked up off the ground, and I looked up and I... I saw her face for the first time. <laughs> ah, yes. The star of hit films such as The Sound of Music and My Fair Lady Buddy. <laughs> Buddy, you must have been absolutely awestruck when you laid eyes on Julie Andrews for the first time. Well, to be fair with you, I had no bloody idea who the bird was. All I knew was that she saved me from that mob of paparazzos and in Buddy's book that makes you a good egg. Yes, and Dame Andrews die. is quite the good egg. Well, we've had our ups and downs. Well, before we get into that, however, let, let's get into the story of your first role. Tell me, how did Dog King Lear come about? Well, it was quite interesting. You see, I wasn't actually supposed to be there that day. It was Julie's audition. She merely brought me along for company. <laughs> But then I, I sat back and I kept listening to the same ineffective, boring King Lears up on the stage. And at that point, I was simply enamored by Julie. And I'm sure you'll all agree she deserved a whole lot better than the primary school filth they were bringing to her. <laughs> and what happened next was history. Let's roll the footage. 
sorry, Mr. Director, but I simply <coughs> can't perform against any of these leads. They're all quiet and shy, none possessing the sheer fire that King Lear demands. Look, Julie, you're gonna have to deal with it. No one's wants winds and crack your cheeks. Rage, blow. You cataracts and hurricanos spout till you have drenched our steeples, drowned the cocks, you sulfurous and thought-executing fires. Vaunt couriers of oak-cleaving thunderbolts, singe my white head, and thou, all shaking thunder, smite flat the thick rotundity of the world. Crack nature's molds, all German spill at once, that makes him grateful man. Wait, well, what's going on? Buddy? <laughs> so, so what do you say, director man? Have I got the gig? Look, it was a brilliant performance overall, and that's all that matters. This small dog just performed, outperformed every single actor out here on this stage today, and he deserves this job. April, he, he's a dog! <laughs> You're a person! We can't just put on a... There is no rule in the rule book that says a dog can't be King Lear. And there you have it, folks. The birth of one of modern history's greatest actors, captured on static videotape. You would then go on to have what many claim is the definitive performance of King Lear, and what many called a brave and desperate performance of a man gone mad over power. Well, that means a lot to hear you say. So I assume the check cleared. <laughs> oh, buddy. So now we move on to an era in film that many never saw coming. Abbott and Costello. Laurel and Hardy. Andrews and Buddy. You two were practically inseparable during that time. Starring in such Buddy films as Thelma and Dog Louise, British Turner and Hooch, and of course your final film together, Some Like It Rough. I understand no, you've been silent no, publicly. R-U-F-F. Uh, I understand you've been silent publicly for some time about what happened on the set of that film, but here on the Alice Stevens stage, 20 years after the film's release, can we get some insight into what happened between yourself and Dame Andrews? Well, if you want me to pop the proverbial top on this baked beans can, I'm more than willing to, but I need to let the audience know that I'm no way proud of the events I'm about to recall, but before that, I want everyone in this theater to put up a finger, and I want you to take that finger and put it on your nose, and now as an actor, you are pointing at your greatest enemy, yourself. He's, he's assuming your finger was in the correct placement on the... Believe me, self-doubt and imposter syndrome aren't the only things that can gnaw away at your success, ladies and gentlemen. There's also the other side of that Weatherby nickel to consider. The ego. And being the greatest acting dog of our generation, my ego was getting lovingly stroked day to day by several different suitors. And unfortunately, it also forced me to consider my relationship with Miss Julie Andrews. As a dog on the rise, being paired with an actress who was, or so I thought, winding down her career, I, I realized it wasn't a right fit for me. At least I thought so at the time. So I broke away, struck it out on my own. And how did Julie react to that? 
Well, she wasn't exactly the happiest beaver at the log factory, I'll tell you that. She had already signed a deal for some like it rough too, but me personally, I hadn't made a decision yet. And when I left, they ended up pairing her with some look-alike wannabe youth. I assume, of course, you were referring to Duke, the Bush's Baked Beans dog. <laughs> yes, it's honestly ridiculous when you think about it. I, I mean, Dame Julie Andrews standing there across from a, a bean hound. I mean, I am a classically trained dog actor. Bean hound. How did it feel seeing Julie with Duke? Well, I, I suppose it should have... Suppose it should have killed me, to be honest with you. But to be fair, that time was a bit of a whirlwind in my life, as it was also when I was approached with the concept for the first Air Bud film. Ah, yes, and I've been told they actually wrote that movie for you. Well, yes and no. It was originally set to be some sort of venture with the basketed ball star Scotty Pippen, but when he dropped out at the last minute, they made a few simple changes, and voila, there was a dog playing basketball. Just a couple little tweaks to the script. <laughs> and it went on to smash box office records, with many claiming it to be your greatest performance yet. How do you respond when you hear those kind of accolades? Well, to be honest with you, I no longer pay them any mind. As I said, the battle I've gone through my entire life with my ego having it with my soul, the battle's so strong, I, I used to pay attention to every single word critics would say. I'd internalize every critique, boast every celebration, but I quickly learned you have to take the bad with the good, and the bad began to outweigh the good. I assume you're referring to every follow-up film in the franchise. <laughs> Golden Receiver, World Pup, and, of course, Airbud 420, a drastic oh, departure in the depart hell. direction of the series. Ah, yes, of course, I remember the meeting distinctly. You see, over the course of making my films, the notes from the studios began to come in hard and furious. They knew I was the veritable golden boy of this company, and they wanted to keep that gold shining. And eventually, I couldn't move a singular paw unless it was approved by company mandate. So I'm sitting there, and they're telling me that kids aren't interested in movies about talking dogs. That we needed to update the franchise with something new and fresh. And I assume that's where you met your next co-star. Yes, I was sitting there, <laughs> seething over these comments when the Method door opens. Man. And this... You're shockingly close. <laughs> this cumulonimbus cloud of smoke comes pouring through the door, and then this tall man walked in, looked a bit Wait, like no, a, oh, a no. meerkat on the savannas. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> uh, of course, I'm being facetious. You, of course, all know him by the name Snoop the Dog, I believe. I hate you so much. <laughs> Rapper, philanthropist, businessman. Calvin Brodus Jr., also known as Snoop Dogg, has taken on many ventures in his life, but the strangest perhaps came the day he came face to face with Air Bud. Now tell me, how did this pairing come about? Well, the corporations assumed it'd be a perfect fit. They wanted to reignite that buddy film passion I had back with Dame Andrews, and their arguments for casting was simply that the man's name was Dog and I was a dog. And... <laughs> My name is Bud, and he, as I would come to find out, quite enjoyed bu Bud, which is what I believe the streets refer to marijuana as. Marijuana. <laughs> and did you ever imbibe with Mr. Dog? 
Well, look, I'm not your innocent little milkmaid on the street corner, James. I've had a jazz cigarette or a few in my day. Nothing like what Snoop would bring, though. There was one evening where I visited his abode and we began to imbibe on marijuana. And I'm not lying to you, we are 30 minutes into this smoking session when we get a call from the execs. Again, the execs ruled everything. And they said we needed to make a promotional song for the movie. And at that point, we're both tits up to sundown and running high on fumes. So Snoop rushes towards the keyboard and begins playing the keys. And thus, Got My B.U.D. was born. It topped the charts at number six on Billboard and earned you your first nomination for an Oscar for Best Original Song. Well, you know, it's not really my song. I merely added a few ad-libs here and there. We are no longer friends. (laughs) Well, in the published version, yes, but I've been told that you actually tried rapping a verse that evening. Well, I may have done once or twice, gotten on the microphone and hippity-hopped for a few, but I'm sure that's all lost to time now. Well, you say that, but... No, no, you didn't. One of our producers is close friends with Snoop Dogg and managed to track down the original track with your verse intact. No, James, come on, you don't have to do this. Well, why don't we hear what the audience thinks? Should we debut the original verse for Got My B.U.D. this evening? (laughs) Well, you can't argue with that, folks. Oh, this is... This is embarrassing. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Ooh. It's the Snoop D-O-double-G. Out here with an A-I-R-B-U-D. Ad-libs now. Slanging them trees. (laughs) Yes, we are. (laughs) The trees are slanged. It's the A-I-R to the B-U-D Slanging trees with Big Snoop D-O-double-G I got the B-U-D Yeah, you know me Smoking up with Snoop D-O-double-G One, two, and two to the three It's the B-U-D with the D-O-G Getting rough on the mic My bark has bike Hand me that J, Snoop We're getting litty tonight I'm serious, fool This ain't no joke Cause there ain't no rule Says a dog can't smoke Oh Yes there's, I did it. That is, this is big dog. Airbud out. And now you see why they've kept the blasted thing in the vaults all those years. Well, I'm no expert on things, but that certainly ha- seemed to have good flow. Might have been another career opportunity for you if things had gone differently. Well, make no mistake, James, I'm no stranger to having career opportunities fly by my head. Just about every year while producing Air Bud, I'd have calls about returning to Broadway or taking the role of some bleeding heart war dog meant to save his owner, but I can never step away from the role that brought me such prestige. And this, once again, is one of those moments... Audience where the ego took over, I was afraid to take risks, to step out on my own, to be more than just air butt. And I assume that was the turning point in the franchise for you. Air Bud 420, yes, it was. It actually, it came out the same year as a little film you may have heard of called, called The Princess Diaries. And I'll be honest... <laughs> It absolutely demolished us in the box office. The film was absolutely (laughs) phenomenal. (laughs) The twist. (laughs) And were you angry with Julie about that? 
Well, to put things frankly, yes. That's the thing about Julie is just how damn talented the woman is. I mean, in 1993, I looked her in her eyes and thought she was reaching the end of her career, and damn near a decade later, she's still amazing as ever. And how'd you talk to Julie since some like it rough? Well, other than some misadvised drunk dials at 3 a.m., no, not particularly. Only small <laughs> congratulations in passing. This woman, this woman raised me. Scotty, how does a dog choke dial? With my paws, clearly. <laughs> you see, this woman raised me, James, and now we talk to each other like polite strangers at a dinner party waiting on the next cocktail weenie. And to be honest with you, she deserved better. Why haven't you told Julie this before? Because I've been young and stupid and full of ego. I was afraid to admit just how stupid I was. And afraid to admit that I would be nowhere without her. I wanted to believe that I was strong, could stand on my own four legs. I made it on my own, but I I honestly couldn't have done any of this without her. And that's the God's honest. And look, I know she's probably at home watching this right now. And Julie, I've, I must tell you, I've been a damned fool these past 20 years. You deserve better, we all know it. And I, I don't know if I can do anything to make it up to you, but... There's no rule in the rule book that says this bloody old fool can't apologize to a friend. You know, it's interesting that you bring this up because earlier in the season, we recorded an episode with Dame Andrews and I asked her about a possible reunion of Buddy and Andrews and she said this. Of course, that dog was one of the best friends I ever had and has got to be one of the greatest dog actors I've ever met. Uh, don't tell him I said that. Uh, I mean, we've had our problems in the past, but that's all water under the bridge. Egos were bruised, bridges were burned, but as far as I'm concerned, I don't need a bridge. I can swim perfectly fine myself. So as far as a reunion is concerned, I must say that's a question for him. Because my answer's been yes all along. Well, what do you say, buddy? One more run of Buddy and Andrews? I'll just say, keep an eye on the horizon, because some may like it rough, but I think it's time we let this dog have his day. Excellent. Well, as always, we end our interview with the questionnaire that was utilized for 21 brilliant years by Bernard of Pervaux. Buddy, what is your favorite word? Hmm, bark. And what is your least favorite word? Well, I'd have to say meow. <laughs> Buddy, what turns you on? Creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Well, I think a fine glass of brandy and a stuffed animal to hump are all it needs to get this wolf howling, if you know what I mean. I see, and what turns you off? Yeah, people that act like they're going to throw a stick in the distance, but then they don't and hide it under their armpit. I see. Buddy, what is your favorite cu curse word? Shit! And what sound or noise do you love? I've got to say when Julie was singing in the kitchen. And what sound or noise do you hate? The vacuum cleaner, it's scary! <laughs> what profession other than yours would you like to attempt? 
Well, I suppose I'd like to be one of those drug-sniffing dogs. I mean, I certainly have experience after all. <laughs> and what profession would you not like to do? I'm a dog walker. I can barely handle one of me. And finally, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? You've got 15 minutes to show time. <laughs> Thank you very much, buddy. You can see him soon as Spider-Dog in Sony Pictures Into the Spider-Verse 2. Check it out. Before we part for the evening, buddy, do you have any final words for our students here? Well, I simply want to thank them. Genuinely. I want to thank each and every person who walked into this theater today to listen to what I have to say because, well, to be honest with you, I haven't earned it. You see, over the years, you will all experience in your acting career the feeling of these these four walls closing in around you. It's like being thrown into a kennel, and all they can believe you can do is one thing. For Julie, it was singing. For men like Robin Williams, it was comedy. For me, it was being a little dog. <laughs> and when something like that happens to you, I don't want a single one of you to curl up in the corner of that kennel and live that way. Because there's so much more to every single person in this auditorium than the world will ever believe. They told me I could never be an award winner because I was a gimmick. A dog actor. Simply a flash of the pan. But sitting here 25 years into my career and seeing an auditorium of seats fill up with people that came to see me as me. You did not come here today to see a funny talking dog. You came to see an expert thespian. With years of knowledge, you came here because you believe in me. And I can only respond by, well, by believing in you too. This world is too big to be trapped in a kennel. Don't be afraid to be different. Don't be afraid to try everything. Because there ain't no rule in the rule book that's stopping you from being you. Thank you, everybody. And that's the end of the uh, <laughs> next episode of Inside the Actor's Studio <laughs> with Air Bud. You, you, uh, you infused a uh, emotional journey between Air Bud and Julie. <laughs> full, a full emotional relationship arc. Because at first I was just like, I wanted to do, have you seen Toast of London? Yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> I wanted to do that. But with air buttons <laughs> toast. Yes, Clem Fandango, I hear you. Yes, I can hear you, Clem Fandango. <laughs> I want. I finally started that today and was like, "This show fucking kicks ass." It's it is very, so very good. good. Everything Matt Berry does is good. Um, yeah, I don't know if I would say that's my favorite thing you've ever done because we've done a lot but that's up there because of just how consistently i thought i was going to die during it. <laughs> uh yeah so that's what i did um and i did kind of want to bang it out the park and really crank it hard here on the show uh because <laughs> we like to crank it hard here on fun fiction we crank it hard here on fun fiction because this is usually where where this is usually in the show where we say what's going to happen next week. Uh, but we don't know uh, because we are going to be taking a little bit of a hiatus. See, you did it a lot nicer. I, I was really just going to 
go for the gag of like, so what are we doing next week, Megan? And I'd be like, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we uh, I think the whole weird cast needs a little bit of a break for a few because we produce the best shit on the planet. And, you know, that gets exhausting. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, consider that last message from Matt Barry Airbud to all of you guys from me. I felt like I was writing to the babies. Be yourself and don't be a dog in a kennel. That was that one was Tim Curry, but the the message was definitely still there. It slips between because uh, once again, much like me with John Malkovich and me with um, not Werner Herzog. Who was it? I was gonna say John Malkovich and Werner Herzog are. are pretty decently far apart <laughs> no um who was the other guy who i stayed up all day to try to come up with the impression of um christoph waltz much oh, like yeah. that i spent all morning going yes hello I'm, no it's not there hold on no he's a little more nasally you gotta pull it back <laughs> a little bit like i was analyzing the shit out of it on the way over uh but, so but yeah we'll be taking a bit of a, a decently sized hiatus i'm thinking we'll probably be back early 2020 to (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna travel back in time Time. and we will make sure that this podcast never happened (laughs) exactly uh so yeah we'll be back in 2020 this is not farewell this is just see you later uh, just because I got to go make money so I can actually pay to take my baby to Disney World one day. And I I love this show, but I'd love seeing my daughter at Disney World even more. I mean, I guess I guess that's acceptable. I suppose that doesn't like hurt my feelings. Ain't no rule in the rule book that says <laughs> daughters can't go to Disney World. <laughs> Be kind of fucked up if there was. <laughs> You walk into Disney. A rule. No, kids stay at the gate. This is an adult-only theme park. Everyone from this point in is nude. Everyone is nude and riding the teacup ride like adults. Get in, loser. Wait, shit, now I want this. But until 2022, where could people find you on the Pembervet? I mean, God, that's, you know... We're thinking ahead here. I mean, right right now you could find me at Meg underscore danger in the future. Who knows? But uh, I'm not I'm, I'm not I'm not sweet a whole lot. I'm actually this comes at a time where I'm taking a big social media break as well. <laughs> hey, you like this podcast? <laughs> you <Yeah>. like us? <laughs> Too bad. Sorry about that. You can find me at spacehey.com slash Mo. It's new MySpace motherfucker and it looks so cool. <laughs> or basically anywhere. If you're on a site and you're like, I'm going to find Scotty, look up Scotty Mo, S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O, and check out the weird, the actual play podcast that's also on a hiatus right now, but... I took over a cult, and that's all you need to know. Yeah, catch up on it. It's great. It's fun to see TFPG podcast. Uh, I guess if you want to keep hanging out with, with us while we do things that aren't podcasts for a hot minute, you can join two different discords. <laughs> yeah, there's the BS Network Discord, the Weird Discord. Uh, just add us on Twitter at Fun Fiction Show, and we'll find a way to like get you hanging with the cool crews and the cool peeps. We'll get you in there. It's not hard. Special thanks to this strong-jawed child I met in Denver. 
who came to me and said, hey, I enjoy your podcast, but I just feel like you need music to let people know when it's podcast time or when it's no longer podcast time. And I said, young lad, what is your name? And he said, my name is Best Day or Marinera underscore Infermo. And I said, both of those are terrible. <laughs> you're good at what you do, but you're terrible at naming it. <laughs> Says the people with the podcast named The Weird. <laughs> Alright, you can find it at soundcloud.com slash bestday or twitch.tv slash marinara infermo. You'll figure it out. It's fine. And pick up the merch, merch.loadofpurebs.com and donate to the Patreon. You get early access to the show, which isn't going to do much for you in the next few months. <laughs> but when we come back, you will be the first to know at patreon.com slash a load of BS. I think we got us a new patron, baby. Oh, cool. Did, did we get a new patron, Lexi? I'm not going to say last name. I don't know if these people want to be blatantly called out, so I'm just going to say first name, Lexi. But who knows who that Lexi could be? Definitely not the one in our Habitica party, potentially. <laughs> it's not the one we know already. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? I mean, I don't want to hold you to anything, but like maybe over the break, we'll make something and put it on Patreon. We'll make something stupid. I don't fucking know. Yeah, we may. Patreon is a dumping ground for the worst ideas, and that may be what we utilize it for <laughs> during this little hiatus of doing silly things. Also, I feel like we really need to make merch on it since there's no rule a dog can't host a podcast. <laughs> 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 With a picture of Matt Berry's face behind it. Just real confusing. Yeah, because, you know, if it's not something that's vaguely copyrighted, why are we even trying to produce it? I have to make sure I'm gonna get sued with everything that brings me money in. It's my hubris. 